Hi, I'm Gertrude Keesley, and this is Kingdom Consciousness. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come, Matthews 24, 14. Before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom in its final form, the gospel of the kingdom must be extended throughout the nations of the world. In order to preach the gospel of the kingdom, we as kingdom citizens must understand the kingdom of God. Before we can become custodian to the keys of the kingdom, we must first experience kingdom living. In the past, much emphasis has been placed on the life and ministry of the king of the kingdom jesus christ and rightly so but not enough emphasis has been given to the gospel of the kingdom jesus told the religious leaders of his time ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer them that are entering to go in matthew 23 13. It was this gospel of the kingdom that was the central purpose of Christ's life. He began his earthly ministry by declaring the arrival of the kingdom. That's, you can find that in Matthew 4.17. He ended his earthly ministry by speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom, Acts 1 and 3. In between the beginning and ending of his earthly ministry, the emphasis was on the kingdom. Luke 4.43 says, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. The kingdom of God was the greatest concern of Jesus. His teachings and parables focused on the kingdom. His miracles were a demonstration of the kingdom of God in action. The phrases kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used over a hundred times in the books of Matthews, Mark, Luke, and John. We will explore the distinctions between these two. We are told to seek first the kingdom, to pray for it and to preach it. We are told how to enter the kingdom and taught that residency in it requires a new lifestyle. God is equipping his citizens to become kingdom minded so that we can understand the business of the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the king. Everything about us is royalty, but we must first adopt the mind of Christ in order to understand what that actually means. We cannot have a poverty mindset and expect to grasp the reality of how much God desires for us to prosper. But there is a greater purpose than just understanding kingdom principles. Citizens must go beyond mere knowledge of the kingdom 
to actually experience it and make it the central purpose of our living. So I invite you to come and go with me as we explore this most exciting, interesting, and eye-opening subject. Good afternoon. This is Gertrude Keesley. Today I want to just talk a little bit about what living in the kingdom means for my current situation. Every situation or circumstance is loaded with upgrade. Amen. Now, we just have to learn to look how to look for and expect them. And when I say upgrade, I'm referring to an increase or improvement in our current life situations. I know there are hundreds of these improvements just waiting for us to claim them. So when we live a life with Jesus, we must learn to look for these upgrades or we may miss out on the blessings that he has for us. In order to start thinking like this, we first must understand that all of our circumstances bring us a gift. Now, I know that's kind of hard to swallow. Since we belong to Jesus, our circumstances, all of them, are in him, and he is in them for the purpose of giving us things. Because we are in the kingdom now, we are subject to a different level of sovereignty. This means that nothing can bring us down but everything can take us up, hallelujah. We're kingdom people, and it's time we start thinking and living in a kingdom way. So the next time that you're facing a tough situation, consider saying something like, I'm a kingdom person. This, is, this has to bow the knee. I'm going to stay standing until this situation yields me to what God wants me to have, and I'm not being moved away from my hope in the gospel. Wow. This is a mindset, and a mindset on the spirit is life and peace. We just have to learn how to use our current circumstances to get those unclaimed upgrades in terms of we're talking about faith and authority, identity, the fruit of the spirit, blessings and favor. Difficulties. Problems and circumstances are meant to continue our walk of happiness and joy. They're not meant to deprive us of the fruit of the Spirit, but rather to bring increase. Did you know that a problem can actually increase our patience, joy, peace, and our sense of being? So what upgrades are supposed to be yours right now? The kingdom of God is open to everyone who truly desires to be there. But with our entry, we become responsible for our own lifestyle and that of the world around us. Yes, we do. Yes, kingdom living is for the here and now. For if we don't wish to live in the kingdom today, we are never going to be ready to enter heaven when we die. So we have to learn to recognize Jesus Christ as a king and live in his kingdom, no matter what nation we live in now. Kingdom living is a lifestyle. Kingdom living is a life commitment. Kingdom living is beyond every nation 
and every earthly power. And without kingdom living, every nation and method of government fails. In Matthew 12, 22 to 26, there's a story where Jesus confirms what I've just said. It starts off by saying, Then there was brought to him, talking about Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him, so that the dumb man spoke and saw. Jesus didn't care why this man was possessed by the devil or what his previous lifestyle was like before he was brought to him. He only cared about this man as he was right at that moment. And he trusted in the faith of those who brought him to him. He had compassion for those who brought him and for the man himself. So he healed him. The next verse says, and all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? The people knew that only God could do such a thing. And they recognized the previous prophecy of the Messiah through the son of David. But not everyone wanted to see the truth. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Listen to what they were saying. And, and knowing their thoughts, he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees and all the people that as long as they deny the truth and fight against it in part or in whole, they're going to fail. And in the next verse, he even says this of the evil word world. He says, and if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And if we have read the end of the book, we know that it won't. But the kingdom of God can and will last for all who want it to last. We can't fight over doctrine and over any other thing. For strife is not of God. We can't let our own pride deny the truth, as did the Pharisees, or we will spawn division for others will recognize the truth. Do you remember after Saul was made king? And he didn't follow God. And do you also remember how Saul kept falsely accusing David of being against him? Even though David was really trying to help Saul, this began a division. And some followed David and some followed Paul, Saul. I'm sorry. When Saul died, the tribe of Judah made David king, as Samuel the prophet had said. But the other ten tribes followed the son of Saul. Therefore, the kingdom was divided for seven and a half years, and it was filled with strife. Then there came a day for healing. Second Samuel 5, 1 through 5, says, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be a ruler over Israel. If the people knew the truth, then why did they follow the son of Saul in the first place? More than likely, it was because they were as stubborn as we are in this, this nation, and for that matter, everywhere else in the world too. But remember, 
it's not important what we did in the past, but what we are going to do from this point forward. David recognized this fact, as we should. For when there is a time of healing, we should allow the wounds to heal. The, verse, the next verse says, So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. Then they anointed David king over Israel. Samuel had previously anointed David king, as God told him to do. There was no need for further anointing, but David never said this to them. For love and compassion are greater than tradition. Amen. So if they wanted to anoint him again, oh, so what? The next verse says, David was 30 years old when he was became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven and a half years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So it was a time for healing. And David encouraged that healing. David held to his responsibility for living in the kingdom of God. Yeah, he made mistakes. And he got into trouble with God over what he did. But he never left the kingdom or fought against it. His goal was to keep a united kingdom. And when once again the kingdom became divided following the reign of Solomon, the nation failed. We have a responsibility for holding the nation together. If, in fact, Call from if, in Call. fact, we are part of the kingdom of God, Call from let's look. If we are a part of the kingdom of God, we have a responsibility for holding the kingdom together. Let's look at another example. The city of Colossae was a very worldly place, but in its midst there were some true believers, and they had a struggle trying to live in the kingdom of God. In Paul's letter to them, he speaks of God's grace so that they would be strengthened in the faith. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, talking about their faith, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit, in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, the word of God tells us that we can't be passive and still live in the kingdom of God. First of all, we must have the desire, listen to what I'm saying, to grow spiritually. We are not worthy of the kingdom if we say we believe, but are unable or unwilling to express our belief in word and in deed. We are to be filled with the knowledge of God's will 
And that can be hard for those who don't read their Bibles or who don't attend church or who don't attend a Bible study, for the world is full of lies. And those who wish to lead believers is full of lies and full of those who wish to lead believers astray. Knowing the biblical will of God helps us overcome these lies and distortions of truth. Additionally, we have um, spiritual wisdom and understanding, something that comes only from the Holy Spirit, to whom we must open our hearts and mind. For without this spiritual insight, we can't walk in the manner worthy of the Lord. For we don't understand his will, and therefore we also won't be able to please him in all respects. If a fruit tree always remained as a sapling, it would probably die or somebody would just cut it down because it was taking up the same space as a productive tree, but it wasn't producing anything. So the confession of our belief in Jesus Christ is in both word and deed is just the beginning of our faith. For we are as the sprouting of a sapling. In the kingdom of God, we're required to grow year by year. We're required to mature. We're required to bear fruit. We are to be the peacemakers for the whole of creation who follow the Prince of Peace, who is Jesus Christ. We accomplish this by doing what God wants us to do. And as with a fruit tree, we must also continue to grow and be pruned so that our knowledge of him might bear even more fruit in the years to come. God doesn't want us to struggle to do this on our own. Not only will he help us directly, but so will all those people who are around us and who are growing and becoming more conscious of him. We know when we are growing in our faith and in the will of God, but we will feel his strength. We will feel his power. We will feel his love and compassion increasing within us. And as this consciousness increases, we naturally find ourselves being more sure of our faith. We find ourselves becoming more patient. We are filled with love and compassion for all of creation, humans, animals, and the environment. We have a joy inside that just overflows in thanksgiving. And as we reach this stage of maturing or consciousness, we begin to understand the extent of God's love and grace. Amen. For it is the Father's love and grace that qualified us who have sinned against him to be worthy to share in his glorious kingdom and to share in the inheritance of everything he has given to his son and to the other saints who have entered his light as well. So let us pray that we will never forget our own responsibility for being offered such a great gift. Amen, amen, and God bless you.